Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Carter comes up shooting. Got it! 1.2 seconds to go! Vince Carter, you are amazing! Give it to me! A little baby black! Get that garbage out of here! <laughs> Hello, folks. We are back. Number five. Greg, we are on podcast number five. Can you believe it? Shocking. Shocking. There's a man outside the window of our podcast studio wearing a brace, so I hope he doesn't distract me too much. But this is kind of our launch off for the podcast. I like that guy. Uh, these colors don't run, Gregory. Uh, so continuing this conversation, this is number five. This is our launch pad. We're introducing the podcast to a mainstream audience. It might be one person listening. It might be 10 people listening, Greg. But why did we start this podcast in the first place? Well, I think, Brandon, because in a city dominated by hockey headlines... We need to pay a little more attention to basketball. Toronto loves its basketball, and basketball matters. Wait, why should I care about that? We're a hockey city, Greg. Well, look, as the rise in popularity of the game has spread through the city, my fear is that the coverage of Toronto basketball will go the way that it's gone in the United States. Uh, relegated to a level of pop journalism that we see in the mainstream sport media. No, that's a fantastic point. I think what we're trying to do here is to, you know, capsulate the essence of basketball beyond the banality of, like, did Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant make eye contact tonight? Yes, exactly. So what I'm talking about there is heteronormatively attractive blonde women doing blooper countdowns and spewing sport gossip for ratings. Because I am the official hot take artist, okay? Let's not forget that. Official. And you know, Brandon, you bring up a good point, right? Beyond the court, right? We want to get deeper. We want to talk about the way that basketball matters, not just in the sensational sense. Well, through communal initiatives, you know, how basketball, you more or less, is a vessel for engagement for kids and, you know, moderately impoverished communities as well, right? Exactly. And with that, we have a little bit of a playoff preview for you. Saturday, Game 1, Toronto Raptors, Milwaukee Bucks. We're going to start it off with the hometown Raptors, the team that, the only team that matters in this playoff. Is that fair to say? For us, for us personally. Uh. I think, as a Raptors fan, you can't help but be excited and cautiously, cautiously, cautiously optimistic. No, you know what? I've been having like midnight panic attacks throughout the week because I'm so <laughs> concerned about losing to the fir- in the first round again. You know, I uh, like look at our, our sketchy history, barely getting past the Pacers. You know, losing to the Brooklyn Nets. It's been a tumultuous road for the Raptors when it comes to you know coming 
past the first round and actually being a relevant playoff team. But with that, we have a pretty interesting matchup with the Milwaukee Bucks. Personally, I would have preferred the Atlanta Hawks matchup, also with the fact that we wouldn't be matched up with Cleveland Cavaliers in the second round if we make it there. But let's start off with the Bucks. What do you have an eye on this matchup? Obviously, the most intriguing aspect of the Bucks has been the emergence of Giannis Antetokounmpo. I hope to God I said that right. As well as he, uh, there we go. He's Greek. He I don't even know it's a Greek name. It might be the Greek in you that can. That's definitely his name. an African name. Okay, but he emigrated to Greece. My father is like in love with this guy. He's now following his career. He's the pride of all Greece. Going with that, though, like, do you think Giannis can single-handedly take over the series, kind of like what Paul George no. did last year? Why, no. why is that? Offensively, he's not polished enough. Uh, I think if we just keep him to the half court, uh, he doesn't have the playoff experience or skill yet in his game to take over a series. With a 270 shooter at the three-point mark, he's taking about three three-pointers a game, so keep in mind he's not chucking balls up there. But you're right. We need to force him to take uncomfortable shots. You know, get him out of the, you know, like the low post. You know, he's not a great, you know, he's not the greatest low post presence. He's still developing as post game, but it's not as strong as a lot of people like to see it. He's a slasher. You know what I mean? That's that's his bread and butter. He gets away with his athleticism and his physical drive, but he doesn't have an outside shot. I think that's the only way... You know, that's the way we have to contain Giannis. Hey, the biggest threat on the Bucks is Jason Kidd, okay? That man is a basketball savant. I think he's done a great job with that franchise. Um, again, I, I, again, you don't want to sound overconfident because who are the Raptors to be overconfident? But if they can't beat the Bucks in five games, I would be surprised. They don't. They haven't really troubled us. In the regular season, I don't think they have enough veteran presence. Uh, they're they're missing Jabari Parker. Maybe if they had Parker, right? But as of now, I'm 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 not too worried about it. That's an interesting point, though. I don't think Jabari Parker necessarily was a beneficial aspect of that organization. Like he did not make that team a better team. When Jabari got injured and Chris Middleton essentially replaced him at the power forward yeah. stress position, they went twenty and eleven. Yeah. Does that alarm you at all? That team went 20-11 and 11 toward the latter half of the season with Chris Middleton playing the four. No, because Jason Kidd has them playing a style that um, th- thrives in the modern NBA game. He, he drafts a lot of long, athletic players. Shout out to Thon Maker. Shout out to Thon Maker. Well, there's an example of it, right? Um, no, I, I, I think he's, he's got them believing, and he has obviously Antetokounmpo to, to, to build around. I think also at the point guard spot, Lowry is going to get whatever he wants. Gregory's favorite basketball player in the NBA, if you heard our last couple podcasts, is his boy Malcolm Brogdon. That is an inside joke to us, and I don't think anyone else will get it. But that's a fantastic point. You if know, someone have has listened to consecutive <laughs> consecutive podcasts, uh, Matthew Deldova, uh, backup point guard for Who? the Bucks. Do you think the the uh, the the cheap shot artist didn't um, that guy didn't that guy get a ring from LeBron? I feel like he's going to, like, take out Lowry's kneecaps at some point in the series, though. That's my biggest concern. Tucker would eat him. Literally. Devour his face. So, going with that, though, like, I was kind of thinking about this today. Should have we made some sort of effort to tank? Like, I mentioned this before on the podcast, but should we made an effort to tank, finish fourth, match up with the Hawks, avoid the Cleveland second-round matchup? You insult... 
you insult me with that statement. Look, <laughs> it's it's all about building winning habits going into big games. Right. Unless you are LeBron James and you could turn up the heat in an instant, you need all the pieces clicking at the right time. It's dangerous for the Raptors to be thinking that way because they're not proven on that next level yet where you can shut it down, so to speak. It's also a confidence factor being the Cleveland Cavaliers and going into the conference finals. You know, this is all hypothetical discussion right now, but if yeah. we could beat the Cleveland Cavaliers, imagine the mental psyche and edge that we would have going in to the conference finals against Washington, Boston, what have you. Oh, if we... You're saying if we match up with... If we uh, beat Cleveland, if we kind of get over the matchup, we beat them in the, the like, not this round, the round after, and we match oh. up with Boston or Washington in the Eastern Conference Finals, I'm just talking about the psychological we, edge we'll have yeah. being able to take down a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers. No, no I, I've, I, I was on record saying this before. The Raptors will beat Boston or Washington so, if they play them in the playoffs. This is a completely different subject matter, but what happened last night to fucking game 82 of the NBA season? I was scrolling the stations. I couldn't find one good fucking game. The Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets. They had to sit some guys, yeah. Sat, what, why are they benching their players? Why are they benching their players? Are they fighting for a draft pick? Are they trying to tumble to the bottom of the barrel of the league? I, I don't understand the fact of why they would want to well, bench every, players. Everyone else is 82. doing it. It's a Brooklyn Nets. They're not resting players going to the playoffs. <laughs> look at look the, the team has looked fantastic the last couple weeks. Brooklyn you guys has could see a fiery, tenacious organization. You if know, you guys not, could see the vein oh my God. coming across Brandon's forehead. You know where I'm coming right from, now. though. Like I don't like. Oh God, we need to rest Jeremy Lin just in case we need him for. Uh, n- never. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, so going into the next round, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Indiana Pacers. Greg, can I ask you a question? Could we see a repeat of what Paul George did to us last season, or do you think it's going to be a Cleveland Cavaliers sweeping for? Playoff basketball, because of the longer timeouts, uh, the nature of the game, I think, lends itself to superstarism, where one player can make a huge dent, and... I I don't know. I I like Paul George. Obviously, you you love Paul George. I like him. I think he's a very good player. I don't know if he has the physical ability to withstand the pounding that Cleveland will give him, like for a seven game series. You know, that's he a, needs he needs more help. That's a fantastic point. I'm just basing it on the small sample size. The last time these guys played. Paul George thrives in situations yeah. like this. When he's the underdog and he's being counted out, Paul George, Paul, uh, Paul George, you know, proves to people why he's a consensus top 10 player in the NBA. And with that team, with the end of the Pacers, keep in mind, you know, their secondary options play like complete crap. Al Jefferson looks like a 45-year-old man on the court. But they got Monte, born ready now. Born ready, Lance Stevenson. And Monte Ellis, you know, has hit, like, the rock bottom. Yeah, you he's know. fallen off. But I do believe both those aforementioned guys could kind of pick it up in the playoffs. I think they have the mental edge and the experience in certain situations that kind of dictate the outcome of a lot of games. You keep in mind they're washed-up vets, but I do feel like... Like, even with Lance Stevenson, they do have options and they do have guys on their team that could provide 15, 20 points additionally of what Paul George is doing any given night. It would have to be assembly. It have to be, you know, different people showing up in different games, even Jeff Teague as well as a point guard. I think the Pacers have the depth to be able to take Cleveland to six. Yeah, um, I could see them stealing two games. I can't see it. I don't know about six. If they go to six with, with the Pacers, that's good news for the Raptors because... 
that means we could take them to seven. No, absolutely. And you got to factor in, you know, Cleveland's back-to-back losses to the Atlanta Hawks. You know, they're played in the latter half of the season. 50 wins on this, for this team is an absolute goddamn disgrace. That's an absolute goddamn disgrace. They punted the entire season, essentially. Well, certainly the latter half, right? They have a losing record in, since the All-Star break. Right. Which is concerning because, as I said, you want to be playing your best basketball, rounding into form. Like, you look at Golden State, even with the injury that they had to Kevin Durant. They're, they're you know, hitting their stride. The Spurs always do this. The Spurs are always hitting their stride mm-hmm. come playoff time. I think, though, look, when, when you're talking, though, about uh, a, a team with, with a transcendent talent like LeBron, you can afford to play that game. So, it's a risky game, but they're playing it. So I see a question. Purely coming in the playoffs, we know everything about the Cleveland Cavaliers, how they play in the regular season, roller coaster regular season. Are the Cavs underrated or overrated coming into the playoffs? That's a very good question. I, I don't think anybody really knows because they can come out and demolish every team they play, including the Raptors, right? And you know, maybe even outplay the Warriors, right? Like, we, we don't know really what they're capable of. Um, that being said, there are some warning signs. Mm-hmm. They don't look like the juggernaut that they were last year around this time. Th- again, this being said, when that first round starts, look out. Because it's not going to be the same team. And there's a lot of people out there that are, that are going to have to eat their words. Right. I think... Cleveland gets bounced from the first or second round this season. They have to actually, like, they have to question. They will get bounced lose. from the first round. Okay, let me digress. If they lose the second round, okay, do you think Tyrone? I don't think Tyrone Lue should have a job. I don't think I don't. Is it safe to say is is Tyrone Lue a professional level head coach in your opinion? You have a lot of experience with this. Do you think Tyrone he Lue, got based his... on the the volatility of the locker room, you know, based on the team dynamic this season, you know, based of what we read? On the off-court issues, do you think Tyrone Lue is a type of presence that kind of hone in all those egos, all those players on an organization? Well, it depends, right? It's all about a fit, right? Sometimes you can bring someone in uh, that is super aggressive and overbearing, thinking, oh, that'll rein in these players. But really, they just clash and it all blows up. Mm -hmm. Other times, you can have a guy like Tyrone Lue who's more understated. And look, I think the main thing, though, with him is that he played in the game like he played in the NBA he played in the league and he won championships and of course obviously he's a good coach X's and O's you would think but with him his he's a player's coach in the sense that he was respected mm-hmm. uh, David Blatt was not he didn't play in the league Right? I don't think he fully had the respect of the star players. I think the biggest issue with David Black coming in the league was that he just wanted to come in the league as a pre-established notoriety of basketball or a pre-established No, but he didn't coach. come in well, knowing think, he'd coach LeBron. Well, think of this, for example, okay? So this is anecdotal, but Barack Obama was at one of the games, and one of the reporters went up to David Black and asked him, are you sort of stressed out you know, about the fact that the president is in the goddamn arena while you're playing tonight? And, and his reaction was, you know what, I've played in front of a lot of world leaders. That was his reaction. You know what I mean? I think David Platt was David Blatt was compensating for his lack of experience by coming off as this like well seasoned professional. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but but going back into this, I think Tyrone Lue is the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers purely for the fact that you know he's not gonna you know right. overstep his boundaries of LeBron James. Yeah, It'll be like a coach player equal dynamic. But that but plays. maybe that's what's necessary 
in this circumstance, right? They so won it, 50 games, Greg. They should have won 60. That talent on they that could team, have won they more, should have won 60 but games. But they, they, they could win 32 <laughs> games, and if they win the NBA championship, that's all that matters. So I think reserve the judgment for the uh, these next few weeks once we see. But I agree with you. If the Cavs get bounced early, someone's got to go, and it's easiest to fire the coach. Absolutely. Sorry, moving on, guys. We have a ton of matchups to go through. The next round... Our next, sorry, the next matchup we want to talk about is the Boston Celtics and the Chicago Bulls. How do the Bulls deal with the Boston Celtics step? First the of bench all, options are different looks. First of all, I'm calling an upset. Oh, I'm, I I have that jotted down as well, Mr. Gregory Urshadis. We are like-minded today. Yeah, I mean, it's not only that I dislike the Boston Celtics. I also just, I have witnessed Jimmy Butler do great things. Well, we just mentioned that before. And he's the best player in that series. Oh, for sure, for sure. And we just mentioned Paul George, you know, a dynamic player like Paul George who can single-handedly yeah. change yeah. the momentum of a series. I, I agree. and I, I, But I, there's one caveat that I got to throw in that is the fact that they have to figure out their starting five rotation because Rojan Rondo and Dwayne Wade cannot play together. Yeah. My solution is to put Dwayne Wade on the bench, have a super six man. You know <laughs> oh, I mean? yeah? That's obviously you, not going to happen. Have you cleared that with, obviously have not you cleared that with Dwayne, coach? Third best shooting guard of all time. You're hey, right. You're right. The you're celebrity right. athlete, bud, he's not coming off the bench. It's insane, though. It's insane that Dwayne Wade should recognize where his limitations are as a player and what he can add to the second. Hey, I thought, no, I agree with you. I thought. They played better without him because there's no more. Um, look, Rondo and Butler need the ball. Wade needs the ball. Okay, and none of those guys are moving off the ball to get wide open shots off screens and that kind of thing. There's not too much of that ball movement. They the ball sticks. So I actually think they're better without no, Wade. That's a great point, and I'm also going to add the fact that that's I why think, they made the playoffs. I think the entire team trusts and believes in Rojan Rondo. I don't know if you read about any of the issues with the Chicago I did. Bulls locker room, this and season. I agree with him what he said. Exactly, he you shouldn't know. have came out and, and maybe said it in the open platform that he did, like he did. Right, but he was right. You look at a guy like Nikola Mirchik, you know what I mean? Like who more or less is like a supersized heat check guy. But his he's, confidence he's been, will yeah. rise by having like a like a strong vocal presence like Rajon around the court. Dwayne a Wade leader, and Jimmy Butler, a leader. leader, exactly. Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade didn't really strike me as the kind of guys who were making any conceited effort to grow the prospects, the bench guys. You know, they trade Doug McDermott and Taj Gibson. They elevate themselves above others. But Ray John Rondo may have his issues, but with him, I think the players get a sense that you know what you see is what you get, mm -hmm. right? No, I'm 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 big on Chicago. I think it's going to be Chicago in six. I think Celtics are all smoke and mirrors. Again, I'm a homer and a Toronto Raptors fan, but I I think this team is propped up by Isaiah Thomas's 30 points per game, which are not going to happen in the playoffs. And they're deep. They're deep, and that they 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 get well, a lot from their bench, but that doesn't. Uh, work as well in the playoffs. Well, I sure it's like the, it's, I call this the Lou Williams factor. You know, the outside shot, three pointer Isaiah Thomas, and trying to mm -hmm. instigate contact. That's not going to happen. The referees are going to let them play in the playoffs. And Isaiah Thomas, we're going to see his limitations as a player of the series, especially. You know, and Jerry where and Grant, defense like matters, defender, right? There, there's multiple guys on that team that can contain Isaiah Thomas. I, I, I Boston could win the series. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I they should win it. They like, should I win it. See, I can definitely see Chicago winning, and I'm going with Chicago in six. I would like to see Chicago win it. Moving on to uh, the Washington Wizards and the aforementioned Atlanta Hawks. That's so, going to be a good series. So the Wizards, 3-5 and five in their last eight, you know, kind of winding down the regular season. You like to see them sort of like a, any team in that position, you know, number four team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, they got, they got comfortable. They got comfortable. 
what do the Atlanta Hawks need to do to win the series, and can they win the series? Bring back Dominique Wilkins. Like I don't, <laughs> they, I, I, I don't think they'll win the series, but. To me, it's an interesting matchup. I think any chance that they have to win the series, it has to come through Dwight Howard. No, absolutely. And, 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 also, and Dennis Schroeder has to play really good. Well, it's Dennis Schroeder, but it, my, my biggest factors for Atlanta are Tim Hardaway Jr. and uh, and Bazemore. You know, they, they need to be lockdown defenders on John Wall and Bradley Beal because Schroeder is a horrendous defender. And I, I, I can see Bazemore doing a fantastic job of Bradley Beal, but I think John Wall will go up. This is my sweet prediction. I think Washington will sweep Atlanta in four. I just don't think Atlanta has enough offensive options to deal with the Wizards' depth. I think the Gortat-Howard matchup is pretty interesting. But beyond from that, I don't really I, see... I think Atlanta, if they have any chance here... I say it's interesting because Atlanta's front court is very good. I... Like their center power forward combo with Millsap and uh, mm-hmm. and and Howard, I would like to see them just punish the Wizards, play bully ball, old school NBA playoff type ball, and get and and pull off the upset. I, I don't. I think John Wall is just he's uh, I, I, again Schroeder doesn't have enough defensively to contain him. No, and I think he's gonna run wild. On the Hawks. And I think Markeith Morris is an incredibly underrated defender. If I was going to physically mold someone that could deal with what Paul Millsap brings to the table offensively. But they start him at it the would four? Be Morris. No, but they start him at the four? Yeah. He's too small. Like, like he's not thick enough. Yeah, but Paul like, Millsap isn't necessarily a post up guy. He's still thicker. Like, Dwight Howard and Millsap combined are too much to handle for those two in the front court. That's why at the back court, like you said, if the Wizards. Can contain the uh, sorry if the Hawks can contain the guards of the Washington Wizards, which is as the Toronto Raptors fans know from the sweep a few years ago, easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But if they can bother them and take them out of their rhythm, right? I think that they have more in the front court, so they'll be able to to at least push this series to six or seven games. I know I just mentioned John Wall, but I think one of the bigger factors in this franchise is the playoff play of Bradley Beal. We've seen in the last few seasons what Bradley Beal brings to the table in the playoffs. You know, he's an extremely confident guy, and he turns a he's, goddamn corner when it comes to playoff time. play. He's big time. He sure. is big time. Um, moving on to the Western Conference. The Golden State Warriors versus the Portland Trailblazers. Damian Lillard today stated that he believes his team can beat the Warriors in six. Greg, is there anything behind that claim? Uh, maybe like a bong hit. Like I have, <laughs> I have no, I have no uh, uh, idea why he thinks. I mean, look, you got to say that, right? Um, hey, it'll be it'll be interesting. But the like Portland can't score enough to beat uh, to to beat the Warriors, even though they have such a great offense. Like this is you're you're looking at the best you know scoring team, maybe. Ever mm-hmm. right, uh, and on top of that, they're amazing defensively. The Warriors right now look unbeatable, and the team to do it is not going to be the Portland Trailblazers. I think Portland could potentially steal a few games from the Golden State Warriors in this matchup. The biggest issue I have with the Trailblazers is the inability for Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum to coexist on one co- as one cohesive unit. You know, you get the 30 points per game from Lillard, 15 from McCollum, and vice versa. 
Those two players need to feed off each other. They need to carry the momentum, their offensive momentum, in order to win. And they need to get a big series from Yosef Nurchik. I was going to say. Into a, who has been a revelation since that trade, with the Miles Plumley trade. Y- yeah, look, if he can stay on the court. Do you think court, Draymond Green could contain him? Nurchik is a big, big boy. No, 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 he can't. I don't think who he can. Gonna, I think they have them? to play. I think they have to have Petulia on him. That's a bad matchup for the Golden State Warriors. Though. But Draymond can't. Like, he's... Uh, who knows, right? But at least size-wise, you're asking him to make up, like, I don't know how many pounds. Like, if you could look up how much Nurkic weighs. I like the Draymond He's like Green matchup of I like, I like the Draymond Green matchup of Nurkic only for the fact of Draymond Green's quick hands and Nurkic's clumsiness in general. I think Draymond Green will dominate Nurchik in that matchup, and I think we'll really see how green he is offensively. But keep in mind, you know, this is another team that's on the upswing, um, and they have m- many fantastic options at the four. Like, Mo Harkless turned a corner of the season. He looked fantastic, but you're right. I, I just don't think they have enough depth and don't have enough options to truly beat the Golden State Warriors. Moving on, Upset City, ring the bell. Brrr, Cleveland Cavaliers, Utah Jazz, Clippers. Cleveland Cavaliers, LA Clippers, Utah Jazz, Clippers are going down in five, that is my prediction, Utah Jazz are just way too deep, they have too many defensive options for the Clippers to deal with, and I just truly hate the Los Angeles Clippers, Greg, I'm sick of this team, every single goddamn season, same basic bitch organization, I shouldn't say bitch, they're professional athletes, but... I'm just sick of the LA Clippers. I'm sick of the fact that they're clearly never going to be a championship caliber team and they keep peddling out this basic product. Yeah. Like, if if they lose this series, what happens to the LA Clippers? If you are the head of the LA Clippers, if you are Doc Rivers, do you disassemble the entire organization and start from scratch? Like, what options do you have? Because I don't. If they lose this series. Do you think Clippers are going to win this series? Yeah, I do. Oh, my God. Because they're playing really good. Look, look, I'm telling you, the dark horse. Okay, my dark horse in the West are the Clippers. Why? Because they started the season and ended the season playing tremendous, mm-hmm. playing elite basketball, like top four in the league basketball. Um, those are the only times that they've been healthy. That's one reason. Secondly, they have something to prove. Like what you said is true. This is it. And that's a level of desperation that I don't think the Utah Jazz are going to bring. They're going to be just happy to be there. Chris Paul, right, is going to be throwing everything he has. Like, like the, the, the Clippers will not let themselves lose. And I'm telling you, it, but if they do lose, it's going to be ugly. It is going to be ugly. And more important than Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan in the playoffs for them is going to be the play of Blake Griffin. He, he needs to be a 25-point-per-game score. And it's not going to happen with three to go bear guarding him. My defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. He's not guarding him. He's guarding Jordan. We'll see what happens. I, I think there'll be a lot of switches in that matchup. I don't think... Who I, plays the power forward for... for Derek Favors. Isn't he injured? Eh, I see. I, I Look, I... Do you want to make a gentleman's bet right now? Sure. A little $5 action on this? Sure. Handshake. I, the loot. <laughs> and, and, and a beer. And a beer? All right, fine. I take Clippers in six. I take Jazz in five. Moving on, <laughs> um, another really enticing matchup with potential upset attached to it is the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, this is going to determine the MVP, ladies and gentlemen. So let me ask you a question. Please. Who do you think has a better supporting cast? If I was going to draft... Okay, if I was going to draft... If I had both teams in a pool... 
Westbrook's on one side, Harden's on the other side. Who are the first two players taken in that draft? For me personally, is Steve Adams, Victor Oladipo. I'm just talking out loud right now. Um, I take Ryan Anderson over probably both of those guys. I don't know about that. What I've seen from the Oklahoma City Thunder last few seasons is Steve Adams' resurgence in the playoffs. No, he's, he comes he's a, a good ball come playoff time. You know, paying heed to matchups. You know, paying heed to you know Houston's ability to space the floor and having a litany of spot up shooters. I just think when it comes to the physicality of the playoffs, yeah, the brute nature of the game. You know, the lack of, you know, referee calling, you know, soft plays in general. Well, we'll see how I, that pans I, out. I, don't, yeah. I don't think Houston can physically deal with what Oklahoma City is coming. Yeah. With, you know. So do you think the Thunder are going to win the series? If Russell Westbrook starts utilizing his secondary options, if he doesn't shoot his team out of the game, if Andre Robertson can guard James Harden, which I think he can, I think there might be an upset. No one can guard James Harden. Okay, limit you, him to 20 can, points. Yeah, like you can bother him a bit. Um, no, I think it all... Look, I think it, it, it comes down to will Houston's offense, you're right, thrive in a playoff context. And 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 this is a wonderful test because you've got a team in the Thunder that are going to bring it. And they're going to be physical and they're going to chase them off the line and we're going to see, we're really, really going to see if this... Dan, Tony, Harden, you know, everyone's just loving the Rockets. We're going to see how this experiment so you just said something really will work out. Jeff Van Gundy mentioned this, this analytics-built team. Jeff Van Gundy mentioned this the other day, and he said, love Van Gundy. you know, Mike D'Antoni gets all this love and recognition for creating an offense to truly showcase James Harden's skill set. Mm-hmm. You know, conversely, on the other side of his matchup, you know, Billy Donovan, head coach of Yokosami Thunder, creating and facilitating an offense to allow Russell Westbrook to play the way he is. You know, do you think Donovan's getting a lack of respect? Do you think it's an uneven comparison? What do you think about that? I think if you coached the Thunder, Russell Westbrook <laughs> would still be doing what he's doing. It's like, Russell, you're doing a great job there, bud. That's it. Tap on the bum. There you go. And the San Antonio Spurs and the Memphis Grizzlies are also playing as well. Moving on. Boring. <laughs> Boring. No, no. Um, does anyone really care about this series? Hey, man, I l- watching Spurs basketball is like a symphony, man. Yeah, I... I... Do you, my think, only thing, do you think Memphis can can upset them? No, no. And, and my my only issue with Memphis is just the the fa- fa- uh, salary cap restraints they've put themselves in. You know, Mike Conley earning $30 million a year. Yeah. Marcus Gasol earning $25 million a year. You know, they've re- handing out that Albatross contract to fucking Chandler Parsons. You know what I mean? No, that 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 was... team is handicapped for the next few years, and they barely crawled in the playoffs this year. If they get bounced on the first round, they don't have many options coming in next season. And that's with They're Mark like a, Gasol playing amazing. Like, I wouldn't even call them a fringe contender if they got into the playoffs next year. Is that fair to say? Uh, I think their contender status, uh, even on a fringe level, no longer applies. They just didn't look... I mean, they, they look old and a little slow. They look like a team that is still trying to find a way to survive in an era that might have passed them by. Uh, Vince Carter, you know, being their main guy off the bench. Like, look, it's cool that he could still drop points at 40, but you can't expect him to really come in as a 
spark plug anymore. No, for sure. Sorry, I had to leave the room for a second. The man with the beret started playing the piano. I didn't even notice. <laughs> Sorry, going into... Um... So wait, do you... Uh, but you know what? That being said, mm-hmm. the Grizzlies... Uh, Mike Conley can be a thorn in the Spurs side because Tony Parker does not look like the same Tony Parker. And I think if if, if he has a big series and Gasol has a big series... And, you know, Zach, you know, I could see them really giving the Spurs problems, actually. I could see this going six games. Two words. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, right? If Kawhi plays like he's been playing that, plus the Spurs, like... If he plays like the way he's playing, he's going to play like the way he's been playing. He's going to play better than the way he's been playing. You think Tony Allen... Like, do you think Tony Allen has any shot at containing Kawhi Leonard? Maybe three years ago. Three-year-old. Maybe three years ago. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think Grizzlies. I I think it's going to be a clean sweep in four. I hate to say it, but you know, like you can look at the small sample size and the regular season matchups, and you know, Grizzlies did dominate a few games against the Spurs, but this isn't the fucking regular season. This is the playoffs, and the Spurs are like, they're going to be ready. Greg Popovich has his boys ready to rumble. I love Greg Popovich. Shout out to Greg Popovich. So going into award season, we do not have a vote because we are not accredited NBA journalists, but we Yet. can hypothesize and Yet. make a few predictions. Yes. Gregory, who is your MVP for the 2016-2017 NBA season? Russell Westbrook, the man's a human highlight film. Absolutely. Ah. Uh, awe-inspiring final game. Did you see that final game in Denver when he ended the game with that three-point shot after he had broken the record? It's the stuff of legends, man. It's storybook. It's over. I'm sorry for the beard. Any of, but you know what? There's other guys too, man. Like LeBron. Oh, f- f- take, take that name out of your mouth. He does not deserve to be in consideration for Why? Fine, okay. You know, like... But, okay. Let me go into this with you. I'm in agreement with you, and I've been so goddamn flipping on my MVP vote. And the only reason why I'm going like with the Russell rest of Westbrook, the world, because if you look at this, whoa, season, whoa, wait, what? You're I'm with flipping. Me? I'm flipping to Russell Westbrook. after all these months. Listen, I'm ladies gonna, and, and gentlemen, and I attribute to the most <laughs> basic answer possible. If you look up this season. The number one takeaway from the 2016-2017 season yeah, exactly. is Russell Westbrook's exactly. double double. Exactly. If you look exactly. at the awards and he doesn't get it, that is just yeah. insane to me. That's insane to me. I know it's a very like <laughs> like basic way to explain why I'm voting for Russell, but like keep in mind, like James Harden's had a fantastic season. 29 points per game. His assists have been, you know. A, a, Essentially, twenty-five additional points as well. So the guy's but he doesn't to play defense, man. He doesn't play defense. He hasn't. We have to take that into account. And look, if if Westbrook wasn't playing on a team uh, that got, I mean, even sixth is low to give it uh, to give an MVP. But you're talking about a record that is, you know, it's like you compare it to the Roger Maris home run record when Mark McGuire. Like this is legendary, mm-hmm. right? Um, and just the way that he played so hard all year. And like you say, this is the storyline of the season, right? Like like casual NBA fans know Westbrook and like Westbrook. And, and I know that, that analytically speaking isn't anything, but that means he's done something. That means that's like Michael Jordan level, right? Where we're like, no one knows anything about the game, but they'll watch it for him. Like LeBron James, they'll watch the game because they know Le- my dad's wife doesn't speak a lick of English, but knows <laughs> LeBron. 
right? My girlfriend wants to watch Westbrook. She wants to watch an Oklahoma City Thunder game. That's never happened to me before no, where a girl other- I'm dating wants to watch an Oklahoma City Thunder game because what he's doing is historic. Right. No, and if you ask around the league, you know, if you ask players and, you know, coaches, they all point to one guy, and that's Russell Westbrook. You know, the James Harden vote is the vote of, you know, the, the deep analytical NBA guy. You know, the vote <laughs> Russell Westbrook is the vote of logic. Moving on, rookie of the year, Greg, who do you got? I got your boy, Malcolm Brogdon, as my rookie of the year. That's it. Yeah, I I, I heard that uh, Embiid... 33 games. ...was, was, 33 was saying games. That, that, that he should be... He shouldn't even be discussed he, as but, MVP. But I think it's poor form of him to even say that, right? To come out... Like, you, you have to have a little bit of, uh, of tact... I think. Yeah, but you got to think where the guy's coming from, and I completely yeah, agree. Yeah, he's why his third he year in the that. league, man. Well, not not only second that, year, whatever. But what he did when he played, you know what I mean? I know no, he played amazing, amazing but he say, only but played a third of a season. No, and and the reason why I'm going with Malcolm Brogdon over Dare Sarge for is is purely for the fact that you know. Brogdon was supposed to be drafted this year. Sarge was drafted a couple years ago and, you know, played overseas. Brogdon is fresh out of college, and also he's an undrafted free agent who played a handful of starting games for Milwaukee Bucks. He's a plus 40% three-point shooter, and he just was a calm presence of calamity at the point position. And he's Canadian. He's Canadian. Are you sure about that? I feel like I feel like that could be a, uh, a another Gregory uh, hot take right there, right? I thought you told me he was Canadian. Brogdon is not Canadian. Brogdon is from Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Look, so I like uh, I like the kid from Philly. You're going with Dario Saric? I like him. All right, whatever. He's a good player. He's a good player. The I think Croatian he's the sensation. best. I think he's the best. Ro- I think he's the best rookie currently playing in the league. That's why. I think skill-wise, he should be. And I think the only like thing I could throw in that would be Malcolm Brogdon never won a single Rookie of the Month this season, which could be kind of a reason why he shouldn't Georgia. win MVP. Um, Georgia. Moving on, Greg. Who is your coach of the year? Oh, you go first. Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra, that team was 11-31, and 31, and he brought them back to 500, 41-41. That team is, like, just bereft of talent. Maybe Goran Dragic and Son Whiteside are great players, but he took the biggest head cases in the NBA. Stanley Guys like Johnson Dion was Wader, injured. James Johnson, you know what I mean? Dead injuries, they lost weight. Bosh wasn't playing. Exactly. You know, people can go with the cliche cop out of Greg Popovich, but for me personally, what Eric Spolstra did with that organization, especially in the latter half of the season, was nothing short amazing why not mike d'antoni which is no, like no, the sexy that, it's a sexy listen pick. listen that's another fantastic option i just think when, when once you have a guy like james harden on the team you know it's uh-huh. you, you clearly have an advantage go keeping like yeah. warren dragic's a great player some white side are great players but they're not james harden and wessel westbrook once in a generation that's a really good point brandon you know who you know this is this is the coach jack armstrong logic Okay, this is this is a quote from him. He goes, "If we're such great coaches, why do we recruit so hard?" Okay? Great players make great coaches. Right? So you're 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 exactly right that we, you need to have the Jimmy and Joes sometimes to make the Xs and Os work. Yeah, yeah. Is 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 his uh exact wording. Uh, my my coach of the year pick None other than Pound the Rock, Dwayne Casey. You're talking about a man. You're talking about a man. K, 
okay, who over the past four seasons <laughs> has made the Raptors consecutively better. He has built a culture of winning. This isn't a Homer podcast okay? at all. <laughs> now, well, you know what? If Ben Simmons can do it with the Celtics, we can do it here. But no, but 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 think about it, okay? The injuries that the Raptors have sustained, and we're still Bill a 51-win team. Okay. Okay? But we're, we're tied with the Cavs. Right, if I were to tell you at the, at the start of the year that the Raptors would go through what they went through, in terms of Lowry injuries, you know the lineups that we had to put out there during the course of the season, man, I'm 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 watching. We we started Pascal Siakam to start the year, and we're a 51 win team. Case and 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 to me, it's that Casey maintained such a calm, level headed. You know, leadership approach to being the coach of the Toronto Raptors. Now, look, obviously, there are some other picks that you could go with. Um, D'Antoni is probably going to get it. But also, look, Casey gets no love. I'm listening to, to, to Van Gundy and Mark Jackson who think that they're just like, you know the right, authority on coaching, and they he? don't say a they don't say a damn word about my man Dwayne. What was the expectation for the Toronto Raptors coming into this season? To be, I think, where they are, and that's why I believe he should get some credit. Or maybe it's that Masai Ujiri deserves some. And no, but but before I get, I get into that, he had to integrate. Right, he had to integrate two big pieces into his team. I think he said and something he did really so great masterful, right there. masterfully. He said something really interesting right there. I, I don't think we would be the team we are if we wouldn't have the guts and balls of Masai Ujiri to make those splashy late season oh, acquisitions. The great right? Masai Ujiri, I executive think, of the year. I think Dwayne Wasey's. I think Dwayne Wasey's a fantastic coach, but I think his presence is magnified by Masai Ujiri's confidence as. Yeah, but it's confidence in him, right? This is the coach. This is my guy. It's his way or the highway, and he's got him now a defensive team. And now you actually see yeah, his worth you, as a coach come up because he's motivating the players, man. Yeah, but if you threw any coach out there, like you could take like 70-year-old Phil Jackson running the triangle, losing his goddamn mind second by second as a head coach. They resign. Hey, hey, they picked up the, they, yeah, they, to the to the Zen master. No, but going to what I was saying, like if you put like the most basic coach with the most basic offensive scheme, the Raptors still would be a playoff-bound top four, top three organization. I I don't think Dwayne Casey is necessarily I don't think they making would the be. team better, but I don't think the team's making the team worse. I don't think DeMar DeRozan and Jonas Valanciunas, and, like, this is, okay, this is a multi-year look at things. I don't think they develop into the professionals that they have You're right, without Dwayne Casey. I really don't. He has set a standard and given them a model. Right? The, the slogan, pound the rock. This is a man that worked in a Kentucky coal mine. You know, that's a great point. He kind of embraces the sort of blue collar. Bring the hard kind of hat, yeah. And and his team, they fight, man. I, when I watch Raptors games, I know we're never out of it because this is a team where, that grinds it out. They will dive for loose balls. They will fight until the very end because the man that is leading them demands that from them. So my pick is Dwayne Casey. Agree to disagree on that one, Greg. Uh, Shout out on. to my man Dwayne. <laughs> Moving on to sixth man of the year. Who do you got, Greg? You first. You know what I have? I have Eric Gordon on the Houston Rockets. I know it was coming down to him and Lou Williams. I just got to go with Eric Gordon. A, for the fact that he kind of, you know, 
multiple years. Two of guys injury. on the same team. Yeah, well, Lou Williams late season acquisition from the Lakers, but no, like Eric Gordon spent years on the IR. You know, you know, remember Eric Gordon on the Clippers and Phoenix Suns as his dynamic shooting guard, and he just spent years in basketball purgatory playing for the New Orleans Pelicans and coming in in this season. You know, he got a very little interest as a free agent and kind of proved himself as one of the most dynamic spot up shooters in the NBA. You know, his ability to kind of dictate the flow of the secondary team or the bench team on the Houston Rockets has been one of the biggest reasons why they're one of the best teams in the NBA. You talk about a non-stop offensive attack, you know, it doesn't start with the start, it doesn't stop with the starting five of the Houston Rockets. You know what I mean? It continues mm-hmm. on their bench, and Eric Gordon has been camp- you know, championing that sort of, you know, secondary bench unit. Um, you raise really good points there. I'm going to go with Andre Iguodala. That's a good point. That's because a- I, I don't think they, they, they weather the storm that was Kevin Durant. Well, let's see, let me ask you a question, though, with Andre Iguodala. But obviously, Gordon is, like, the logical. But I'm talking about guys coming off the bench. Like, Andre Iguodala's talent and what made him a valuable player this year was his ability He's to slide starter, into yeah. the three position when Kevin Durant was injured and the Golden State Warriors uh-huh, didn't miss uh-huh. a beat, right? But I don't necessarily think that makes him the best like when he was in the secondary six-man option he wasn't playing the way he was as he was playing in the starting role all right Bogdanovich oh shut up (laughs) Uh, moving on to the comeback player of the year I I like this award is this your creation no this is an actual award this is an award it's an actual award I've never heard of this award. so so my my heart like deep down in my heart the guy I wanted to win it and this isn't logic this is just irrational confidence because he's the irrational confidence man Dion waiters i love the fact that Dion waiters was one of the most vilified hated players in the nba someone on any given night no matter who he plays with will always have the belief that he's the best player on the court and for some reason i love him because of that you know just the idea of someone who believes he can change the flow or dictate the pace of a game single-handedly with you know obviously a limited skill set blows away but the clear winner this year is giannis no question about it you know, his improvement from last season to this no, season. That, that's Switch no, that's the corner from, but you know, that's most improved. Huh? Comeback player of the year, most improved. Or Those are two different things, man. Comeback. Okay, fine. Most improved. Because I got I got something for 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 that one. But comeback. Comeback to Jan Waiters, most improved Giannis. Greg, I fucked that up. <laughs> comeback player of the year. I think I deleted it off my list by accident, and then I, yeah, there, Sorry. Can I? May I answer your? Okay, comeback player of the year <laughs> award. Mm-hmm. I I think Dion Waiters fits that. You know what we're going with Waiters Island. Yeah, no, you're. I think um, if Lance Stevenson can like win a few games for the because he really did come back, right? He came back to. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Derek Rose might have gotten that one. Oh my God! Take that back. No, but but that would be the definition of a comeback. To right? lead his team to the bottom of the No, Eastern but even conference. just to come back and be relevant to su- I mean, not that that would be relevant. Say, I wouldn't even say he's but, relevant. But but to be able to perform, like I just personally, like I you know, as someone well, that's had an from, ACL but... injuries, like it's a it's a devastating injury. You know, he probably no one knew if he'd be back. So to see him perform well and then actually to re injure his knee was that was awful. So I'm going with Dion Waiters. And you know what? For the most improved player. Again, a little hometown bias. DeMar DeRozan. Man up this scoring average by four points a game. Come on. All right. Is that, come on. What? Huh? Is that, huh? does that not make a little sense? No, no. I, DeMar? I, I, think, I think DeMar winning that 
makes more sense than Dwayne Casey winning head coach. Fair. Moving on to our last award, the Defensive Player of the Year. Gregory, who do you have? I would go with probably Gobert. Other than Kawhi Leonard, who's like my favorite. He is the Kawhi Leonard is the most elite uh like ball like wing defender. Greg, I think I changed my defensive player of the year within the last half an hour or so. Because I think initially in this podcast, I stated that Rudy Gobert was my defensive player of the year. And how can you deny? How can you deny Draymond Green? Oh, defensive player of the year. Man, fuck the Warriors, man. Oh my god. They <laughs> let them go for the let them win their champion. It's like saying, yeah, like Durant. No, okay, look, Draymond's a great defender. I, I actually, me, uh, he could get the award, and maybe he should, because you should probably give it to someone. It would make sense that the best defensive, like, that's the best defensive team in the, in the league. Everyone talks about the Warriors offensively. Not watch them play defense. They're amazing one-on-one defenders. He hasn't skipped Minus Steph Curry. Yeah. Okay. Um, you're right. Draymond could, could win it. I think Gobert probably will win it, because he leads the league in shot blocking. Which is a more like sexy stat. I think when it comes to actually watching the game and seeing the impact on the defensive side on every given night, I think Draymond Green has showed up to every single game. You know, I don't think. Do you, what do you, What do you think the Warriors would be without Draymond Green? Just out of curiosity. Not as good. Yeah, he is the heart. Like, he is the, the drop off. He he, big. I you you would have to have someone else fill that role. Kevin Durant can play the four but no, 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 no. i'm talking about uh emotionally player. man i'm yeah. talking about spiritually like the spirit of the team is embodied like he no no that's a great point the warriors are a very personally like a vanilla organization like steph curry clay thompson don't really seem like they have that bite or snore no they own. don't you know durant's more or less been a pacifist his entire career you know, but he gets into it a little but right. like for sure the swagger of that team, uh, and the physicality, the 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 passion and energy comes from Draymond. No, oh, that's a great and point. that cannot be understated. All right, guys. With that, again, I apologize for my confusion with the most improved and comeback player of the year from the wise words of my father. Resign. Brandon, you are getting worse. And with that, guys, have a fantastic evening.